Building influence is something anyone can learn. It's an investment you can make in yourself and it can hold the keys to achieving your dreams and having the life and impact you want to have. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've learned a lot over three decades about building and sustaining influence and how using it and using it effectively can make a big, big difference in your life and career. Here on She Said, She Said podcast, we're digging into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. If you thought being an influencer was just for social media, think again. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, negotiating a promotion, running your household, or trying to connect with those who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will increase your chances of success, whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, welcome to the podcast. Do people underestimate you? This week, we're gonna talk about what to do when that happens and how you can actually use that to your advantage. Now, after you listen to this episode, those naysayers in your life literally won't know what hit them. When I was in college, I took a design course that was taught by an incredibly talented but very prickly professor. At first, I couldn't remember his name when I was thinking about this story, but I looked him up and all of those memories came flooding back. I was doing the work in the course and I thought I was working hard, but I wasn't performing all that well and my grades were reflecting it. One day when I turned an assignment in, the professor turned to me and said, you know, Laura, to do well in this class, you'll need to do more than just look cute and smell good. Can you believe anyone would say that? He certainly wouldn't be able to say that today. I was taken back and I was pretty furious as you can imagine. I went home and I did the smartest thing that I could think of. I called my mother. After she made me laugh about this and helped me diffuse my anger, she asked me what had I tried to do to better understand what the professor was looking for in the assignment? Had I done enough to really understand and to really dig a little deeper than just looking at the superficial? She acknowledged that while his comment was offensive, that it might be more valuable to consider what he didn't say and maybe look at the situation a little differently. Maybe it was less about me and more about him, meaning maybe he was frustrated that his teaching wasn't getting through. Were there other ways that I could challenge myself to learn more from the assignment versus just creating superficial designs? Getting mad and staying mad was literally a waste of time. So I took my mom's good advice, always good advice, and I doubled down and I parked myself in the professor's office. And I did this for several days in an effort to one, better understand what I might be missing, and two, make sure he understood that I was committed to the work, which by the way, I could manage while also looking cute and smelling nice. <laughs> and three, that I was committed to doing the work needed to get a good grade. Guess what? Ultimately, my persistence won him over. I showed him that I cared about the subject matter, 
more than he had anticipated that I would. I learned a lot more in the course. I got an A. And most importantly, I learned a really important lesson about persistence, about not letting anger be the driving force for my emotion and using feedback, even when it's misdirected or unclear or maybe offensive, and not letting that feedback or criticism completely derail me. Now, this is a story from a long time ago, but it's one that was really instrumental in how I learned to think about feedback. More often than not, the feedback we get isn't clear, or maybe it isn't articulated in a way that can make it really as useful as it needs to be. So it's important to dig in to better understand it. When I first started this podcast, it was after a big career shift, and I've talked about that on this podcast several times. I was feeling pretty unsure of myself since what I was tackling, which she said, she said podcast was way out of my comfort zone. In addition to that, it meant coming on here each week and being vulnerable, both on the podcast and on social media in a way that would help us boost our visibility and also provide help to you, our listeners. Some of the early reviews, not many, but a few were really, really mean. One was something along the lines of, she sounds like a bored housewife. Okay, seriously, I have never been either of those things in my entire life. But the comment hit a nerve. And I had to ask myself, was this an image that I was somehow manifesting and creating? Or was someone just being mean? I decided to actually own up to the feedback and to the comment. Maybe I wasn't owning the platform and my role as host and facilitator and the importance of these conversations nearly as much as I needed to in order to build credibility with you, my audience. Was I really doing as much as I needed to do to understand you and to understand what you were looking for so that I could better serve you and meet that need better? The truth is, I really wasn't. So whoever that person is, thank you. I took your advice. I'm pretty sure I don't sound like a bored housewife anymore. Maybe I never did, but here's the point. By looking at feedback objectively, we can use it to our advantage, even when it sometimes feels mean. Often it can be hard to differentiate between constructive and negative or mean feedback. And it's also true that we and our product or our business or our idea or our podcast will not appeal to everyone, nor should it. Frankly, it ceases to be as impactful as it can be when we try to appeal to everyone. But the most important thing is to never internalize negative or constructive feedback, either one. Feedback is not about your value as a person or your value to others. This is a really, really important point. Don't ever allow yourself to fall into the trap of believing that it is. That is the surest way to ruin your confidence and to stand firmly in your own way. Believe me, I've done that. Listen to the feedback decide if there is value. And if there is, 
find a way to address whatever the issue is, and then most importantly, move on, period, end, stop. Use that method for good, for the bad, for the ugly as it relates to feedback and when you're underestimated. When you feel that feedback or criticism is beating you down, get someone objective to help you sort through it all. Essentially, getting feedback on the feedback. Now, this only works if the person you get to help you can be truly objective, but there is real value in this. And it's why coaching and constantly seeking advice can be incredibly helpful. Now, mindset has so much to do with how we think about and process what happens to us and the role that we ourselves can play in rewriting the script that runs in our head. And also how, as we live that script, it informs how we often appear on the outside, even in ways that we may not fully and always see for ourselves. A healthy mindset's faithful partner is curiosity. It's really hard to over-internalize or to be overly critical when we are truly curious. And when our orientation is focused on what we can learn and then dedicating ourselves to really doubling down with persistence to actually learn and to show ourselves and everyone around us that we're committed to growing and getting better and doing better. So I wanna leave you with just a few takeaways to help you when you find yourself underestimated and when you find that you need to rewrite the script. Number one, make and keep handy a list of what you're good at and what you know how to do and keep this list up to date. Add to it regularly and reflect on your accomplishments and what you've learned. Now, if you aren't building in time for that reflection, be sure to do that too. For me and for many of my guests, it's really that morning journal time when this happens. But I also build in regular time, usually a couple of times a year or maybe at the end of each financial quarter to do this as well. It's a really good habit and it's one that helps fuel your confidence. And of course, confidence is essential for not internalizing negative feedback. Number two. Don't let anger cloud or color your ability to see a situation objectively. Now, staying calm in the moment, even when someone has been a total asshole to you, as was in, the, in my case, in my earlier example, it can be one of the most difficult things that we can do. But when we do that, it gives us the time and the space to process and to make decisions that are much more difficult, if not impossible, to make in the moment. Number three, try to look at feedback, good, bad, and otherwise, objectively. Ask a few other people, people who are part of your personal advisory board, if you have one, People who will be honest and objective with you, ask them for their views on the feedback that you've received. A good coach, if you can afford one, can also be really essential here too. Number four, as you think about the feedback, dissect it with a focus on something you might need to learn or something you might consider doing differently. Ask yourself, would changing course or learning that new thing put you on a different path? 
Would that improve something that you hadn't considered? What other differences might it make? Asking yourself lots of questions can be really, really helpful for creating some space through which to view a situation and the feedback much more objectively for yourself. And number five, if possible, ask the person who's giving you the feedback for more, more clarity, more perspective, including how they may have struggled with something similar. This action, getting curious and asking questions, puts you in the driver's seat. You shift from being on the receiving end to actually being in the position of driving the conversation. And in the process, you are much more likely to get additional clarity on the feedback, which can then help you decide if it's really something that you need to spend your time and to work on. Plus, and there's a bonus here, the person who has given you the feedback sees how invested you are in learning and growing and improving. Friend, I continue to learn so much from you and from our incredible guests who join me here at She Said, She Said podcast. I am truly, truly grateful to do this work, and I hope you are finding it a valuable investment in you. But the only way that I can actually know that is when I hear from you. So please send me your thoughts. How can I continue to improve what I'm offering for you, as well as what topics you'd like me to tackle either solo or with a guest? You can always reach me via the contact link on our website at she said, she said podcast.com. And you can also direct message me on Instagram or LinkedIn. You'll find me at Laura Cox Kaplan. Friend, over the last few months, I've been spending a lot of time, a lot of extra time, in fact, thinking about how I can continue to add more value to you. And one of the challenges is creating a solid revenue stream for this platform and the content. I'm exploring several options, but I would also love your ideas for ways to support what we're doing here at She Said, She Said podcast and to continue adding more value to you so that I can continue to help you make your investment of time even more worthwhile. Friend, have a great start to your week. I'd love to hear any stories that you have for times when you've been underestimated and what you did about it. Until then, you take care and I'll talk to you again next time. She Said, She Said podcast is a production of She Said, She Said Media.